Welcome to Uncharted Journeys. I'm your host, Kathy McKnight. If you're like me and you've ever sat back and wondered, how did I get here, whether literally or figuratively, in terms of your career or life in general, then you're in good company and have come to the right place. On Uncharted Journeys, you'll hear from amazing women about their straight and narrow, zigzaggy, or somewhere in between paths to success. Today's guest brings a unique blend of strate strategic, academic, and practical thinking to her keynotes, speeches, and workshops. She has 15 years of marketing industry experience garnered from working for the likes of IMF, the UN Food and Agricultural Organization, Allstate Insurance, and Indiana University. Today, she leverages those honed skills and passion for, ad for advising and teaching as the founder of Brooklyn-based consultancy, Media Volary, as well as co-lead uh, of strategy for Jay Bear's Convince and Convert Agency. As if she's not busy enough, she is also a faculty and adjunct lecturer at Columbia University and the City College of New York, where she helps students create connections between marketing methodology and business goals. A few of her accolades include making the list of top ranks, top 50 most influential content marketers. She has a uh, Forrester Groundswell Award and several PR News Platinum Awards. Welcome, Zanti Ho. So happy to be here. So thank you so much for making time. Um, this is your first week back. Congratulations on the new baby. Or I guess it's not so new anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Still pretty new. I think three months counts as relatively new. <laughs> Yeah, yes, three months is definitely still new. So, you know, I gave our audience the highlight reel, really, of, of everything you've, you know, so much that you've accomplished. Can you tell our audience a little bit more about how you got to where you are today? Yeah, absolutely. And to your point about that zigzaggy journey, I think that if you looked at the very beginning of my career, you wouldn't necessarily think of where I would be now. So um, when I started my uh, career, it was definitely in marketing. I always knew I wanted to be in marketing. I studied marketing undergraduate at NYU, and I got my master's degree at Columbia in strategic communications. So I knew that that was the area that I wanted to focus in. But I actually started in the consumer goods space in arts and crafts. And I was a first wave podcaster uh, for a company in that space and a content creator before there was the term content creator. At that time, you know, the brands were just starting to get into social media. They were just starting to realize that there was value in content marketing. We were doing blogging. We were doing uh, video content. We were doing a podcast at a time that it was all new. And so for me, what was really exciting about that was it gave me a lot of hands-on experience of how to actually be a content producer, director, uh, writer, uh, as well as somebody who's actually really focused on the optimization of digital content, uh, really at the beginning of the formation of that industry. Uh, taking that experience uh, forward, then moving into consulting with Convince and Convert and uh, all of the different clients that we've had, both on the B2B side, as well as the B2C side, as well as institutional clients, some of which you mentioned, like the IMF, uh, which I worked with on their podcast, and the UN FAO, where we were working with them on their content and social media strategy. It really gave me the opportunity to help people think through the strategic decision-making side of how do we pitch this to the higher-ups so that they buy into the digital uh, ecosystem, so to speak, as well as 
how do we actually execute on creating that content? So um, for me now, we do that both on the practical side with Media Valerie and um, on uh, the major brand side with Convince and Convert. We're still uh, supporting lots of different brands in telling their stories in a very high level. And um, for me, it's really exciting because I get to take all those skills that I actually got to practice day to day at the beginning of my career and now really tell people how do you build a team that does that work while also really leveling up your uh, content strategy so that it is really achieving your business goals. So brilliant segue into our, our question. So you mentioned at the top that you always figured you wanted to go into marketing. Um, I always ask uh, my guests these four core questions. The first one being, what's the first career you remember wanting to do when you grew up? So while you went into, I mean, that's quite the pedigree, NYU, Columbia. <laughs> wow. Um, but was that always the case? What was the first career you remember wanting to do? I mean, I think that I always wanted to be someone who was I'm going to say performing in some way. So in a, a lot of ways, the speaking that I do now actually really aligns with that. I was definitely one of those kids who was like music theater kid, right? Like I love to be on a stage uh, performing and uh, interpreting things. Um, I, I won my first poetry recitation competition at like five years old. It was just like a little one for my school, but it was still like the first one I had ever done. And I ended up doing them in high school as well. But it was like that idea of taking words, interpreting them, performing them for people. So I kind of feel like that actually really aligns with a lot of the things that I ended up doing. Like it was similar kinds of skills that kept carrying through my life. So um, I see some continuity there. Absolutely. And, and it's interesting because, you know, when as a little kid, you probably loved, you know, just getting up on stage, it didn't matter what you're doing, but to be able to leverage that and actually enjoy it in the work that we do, because like you, I, I do a fair bit of speaking. Sure. Um, so you're one giant leap ahead of where I started off because never always wanted to do the backstage stuff. I was always, you know, doing the set design and working the, working the, the, uh, the curtains, had no interest in being on the front and center. So um, it's good that the continuity is absolutely um, has carried through for you. Who was the first big influencer on your life? Oh, my gosh. Um, I'm sure that this is the an, a typical answer that people give. But in a lot of ways, my mother, for sure, because seeing her as a working uh, mom who, you know, had a very successful career and really was thoughtful about what a career could look like, I think was very influential for me. My mother, uh, when I was born, she was um, the uh, senior counsel at uh, Lloyd's of London, which is a major bank in their, um, in their uh, uh, office in Taipei. And so she really was doing a great deal of um, influential work within that space. And then later on um, in the early 90s, she and my father started their own law firm uh, to take control of their uh, work destinies and also have more flexibility around having a family. And I think that that's really influenced my uh, decision making around starting my own 
agency as well, because I had the confidence to do that because I saw them have success in that pathway and to start their own business and to make decisions around what a business could look like on their terms. So um, she's definitely one of the most influential people in my life. But I'll say in general, I've been very lucky to have female mentors throughout my entire career from my very first internship all the way through. I've had female bosses and uh, been very, very lucky to really see what women's journeys can look like from so many different spaces. Um, And again, that's given me a lot of confidence in the decisions that I've made throughout my career. That's fantastic to have had, well, one, it's such an amazing first degree of separation example um, in your, both your mom and your dad, but your mom for sure. And um, senior counsel for Lloyd's of London is is huge. I mean, you don't get there by chance. And then sure. to to step away from what sounds like a, an incredibly successful career and risk starting your own gig to have, like you said, the control of the destiny, manage your time and be able to, to do it your way. Uh, that's an incredibly strong example to be set. But then for you to have a strong female um, uh, mentorship and and advocacy, I'm assuming, and and role yeah. models to look at both from a okay, she's great, but don't want to do it that way, as well as it can be done, is something I think you know generations are getting more and more of because I know you know when I started my career um, almost 30 years ago, it just didn't have that. I was in the tech field, and sure. I mean, I was it, right? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So that's that's amazing. Yeah, that's exactly um, right. I think that, you know, we often uh, find that um, I'm an older millennial, as they say, right? And that uh, even I feel like there weren't a lot of great examples of women's success at that time. But now we're moving into the space where you really see uh, women's leadership across so many different spaces. So I think that really having that example of my mom, again, gave me a little bit more confidence because I saw that it could be done from a very early stage in my life. Absolutely. So with all of that influence and and women power, uh, what song epitomizes your career path or that you're associating with? Is it a Tina Turner kind (laughs) of strong woman or? It's a great question. Uh, The the first thing that popped in my head as you were just asking that question was um, Pat Benatar's Hippie with Your Best Shot, because I kind of feel like that's been my attitude throughout my life. Um, I feel like I'm not afraid of taking on a challenge. I think that challenges are, in fact, probably the thing that helps us to grow and stretch ourselves the most. And it can feel a little bit scary, but I think it can also feel really exciting to have people just throw crazy things at you. I think that that's definitely how I've grown, not only in terms of my roles in my career, but just my skill set. You know, again, someone said to me, what if we did a a podcast? I'm like, cool, let's do that. And then they were like, what if you were the person who was actually hosting that podcast? I'm like, okay, let's make that happen. They were like, what if we made video content? Great. I think we can do that. What if you're the person who's on camera? Oh, all right, let's try that. What if you are on TV? I did a whole season of a PBS show on behalf of this brand. They were saying, just go for it. I'm like, all right, let's do that too. You know, and at every stage, it's just been... Uh, me taking on whatever the next challenge is. And I feel like for me, um, I'm always excited to take on whatever that next challenge is. 
think then then that is the best song for you. That is absolutely. And as long as people are throwing things at you figuratively, not literally, then it's all <laughs> safe and good, right? <laughs> for sure. You start losing the fun in the games if people start throwing forks at you. Um, <laughs> all right. So what are three words you'd use to describe either yourself or your career or combination? Oh, um, the, the first word that I always come to is um, loyal because I think that that's something that's just been very important to me in the approach that I take, not only with my work, but in my life. Uh, I think that building relationships and then making sure that you are really supporting them, that's really important to me. Um, the next word would probably be um, expertise. I tell people that I'm a very low BS kind of person. I come to the table from a place of my experience, but if I don't have that experience, I'm doing all the research to make sure that I can bring you the best expertise possible. And um, I don't necessarily believe in fake it till you make it as it is often thought of, right? Like I'm not here to fake it. I'm here to make up the expertise that I don't necessarily have. Uh, and make sure that I'm going to be the best advocate on your behalf. So I think that that's really important to me. Um, what's a third word that I would pick? Um, I, hmm. I think my third word would be creative because people don't often think about strategy as an area where you exercise a lot of creativity. But the truth is, it's really about creative problem solving, right? How you approach uh, each different set of parameters is really about taking all this different information and then interpreting it in a way that um, is unique and special and specific to the people who you're helping. And I think creative problem solving is a lot of what I do in my work, uh, not only on the consulting and, and agency side, but you know, even as an instructor, um, having taught graduate students at the City College of New York and at Columbia, a lot of what we're doing is helping people to figure out how to apply that same kind of creativity to problems. And that really comes from thinking through how do you teach in a way that applies to all these different kinds of thinkers and everybody is different. So you really have to get creative with how you tell those stories and how you create problems around them so that people can interpret them differently. And I actually really enjoy that part of the work. Again, it, it it's the problem solving and the, um, uniqueness of every different set of challenges that I'm faced with that I really enjoy in my work. I like the way you put that. Uh, one of the things, you know, my title is chief problem solver mm -hmm. and that's exactly it. I, I stopped, I used to say that, oh, I'm not, I'm not a creative person. My sister, highly creative in the traditional way from an artistic perspective. Sure. Um, so always used to frame it from that perspective. But when it took a client actually pointing out saying, you know what, you gave me four new ways of thinking about that, that I never would have come up with. That's exactly right. And I'm like, huh, all right, well, look at me. I guess I am creative. So. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that we box ourselves out of certain categories sometimes, but the truth is, I think that creativity is so much a part of so many people's careers when it comes to, um, being those kinds of voices for advocacy and problem solving and new thinking. 
Absolutely. It, creativity is such a multifaceted uh, thing. You know, it, it's not just the, you know, the paint and the art and the, and the drawing and that kind of thing. It really, creativity can come out in so many different ways. And I mean, clearly from, from your, your experience, I mean, yes, you went into marketing, obviously <laughs> you did it in, in your undergrad, you, you applied it from a, a graduate degree and have and been working towards that. But what has the career journey looked like for you? You talked about, you know, going through corporate and then starting, um, starting your own business, teaming up with, with Jay at, at Convince and Convert, which is brilliant. Mm-hmm. So how, was there something, a defining moment or action that really impacted the trajectory that really, you know, you had the great foundation in, in watching your parents build a successful practice, sure. but was there something that you went, yep, now's the time? Yeah. You know, I just had a conversation with a a friend about this recently. I think for me, it really came organically because doing the consultancy work, you build a lot of wonderful, powerful strategies for teams around how they should solve the problems. It's easy to diagnose from the outside, right? You are essentially like a trainer. You can say, yes, you need to work on your, your, lats and you've got to do squats and you've got to do lunges and it's easy to diagnose but then that person that team has to go off and actually do the work and oftentimes the challenge that they face is they don't have the bandwidth they don't have the expertise they are not exactly sure how to hire etc and that's where i think it, it became really clear to me that building an agency to help folks actually execute on the work had real value because it wasn't just that they trusted me. It was that they also trusted the methodology around what kind of work needed to be done. And I think that a great agency uh, really uh, partners with you to not only understand what it is that your organization needs, but also fills in the gaps of expertise that your team has in a really seamless way. And so um, it building an agency really came from the requests of my clients who were saying, hey, we love the strategy we've put together. We cannot execute it on our own. We would need X, Y, and Z things and people to do it. We don't know how to build a team that looks like that. Who does this, right? And after getting that question again and again of who does this, who could actually help us execute on the things that you've recommended, you know, you start to think to yourself, well, maybe I should be executing on it. Maybe I should be building that team that can um, pull together uh, all of the recommendations and actually make it happen. Um, Mostly because I have a deep network and I have been in the marketing industry for well over 15 years now. And so it made it really uh, easy for me to start building the resources around that and pulling folks together. And that organically became, let's build a real agency. Now, what was important for me in building that business was that it would be the kind of business that I would want to work for. So I tell people all the time, we're, we're uh, currently a hundred percent women. We're majority minority. Um, Our team is majority, um, you know, W2. We have real benefits. I tell people all the time, I built an agency that looks like the kind of agency that I would want to work for, even if it's a small agency, right? And I think that that can be a bigger challenge as an employer and as a business owner, right? It's a lot more difficult to run a business that's paying all these taxes than to have freelancers, et cetera. But 
it also reflects my values. You know, I, I pay out a 401k. We pay for, you know, healthcare benefits. That's important to me because that's the level of respect that I would want someone to have for me if I was working for them full time. And we hire interns out of um, the City College of New York so that we are also helping to support a pipeline of um, minority and uh, female and LGBTQ um, professionals get that experience so that they can become the next generation. So I'm also from a philosophical point of view, making sure that our hiring practices reflect my values. And I think that's really important. And I also think that's why it's important that there are more people like me building agencies that look like them, because otherwise those people are not getting the experience that they would need in order to have that next field of their career. And again, a a lot of our interns and our former employees go on to be very successful in other places in their career. And I'm happy that we were a stepping stone for them. You know, we're not necessarily their last destination. And that's totally fine with me because, again, I'm sending them off to be successful people out in the marketing field. I cannot tell you, and, and today, although we won't be posting it today, today is International Women's Day. So I love the fact that you and I are having this conversation today. And of course, I did some snooping um, sure. in preparation for our conversation and, and saw who you have on your team. And the fact that you are building an organization that really reflects who you are and what you want to put out in the world. I just had a wonderful conversation with um, another woman, Lucretia Cade, who has started her own uh, insurance company. And she has done that to make wealth accessible and a long-term process and, and part of a generational change for minorities. So same thing, employing those who, you know, reflect who she is and how she sees herself and the experiences that she's had in the world. And more of us need to do that. More of us need to be aware it's harder you are making it infinitely more difficult for yourself, not only in the hiring process, but also sometimes in gaining the clients. Because, you know, again, you're, you know, a lot of the clients that will be looking at you might look at that and maybe not see themselves reflected in in the team because they're not a diverse organization. And that will give people, whether it's conscious or unconscious, um, bias and infer in their, in their decisions. So, um, strong and, and very loud kudos to you for, for, for doing that. And I'm wondering, was there, was there an, was there experiences growing up? Um, you mentioned your parents were in Taipei. Um, -hmm. not sure if, if if you've been there or if you live there at all, or if, if, if you were born in the U S but even growing up, did, is, is part of your drive to that because of experiences you had as a kid? and not seeing yourself reflected in your community? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I was born in Taipei. Uh, my parents were already American citizens, but we lived there for a couple of years uh, prior, okay. prior to moving back to the U.S. Um, and uh, where I grew up, the community, even now in 2023, I think is something like 96% white. And so when you grow up in a place where very few people look like you, I think you become really conscious of the otherness. Even now as an adult, I talk to my husband a lot about the fact that he's he's actually French. Um, he's a French national. He lives in New York City with me. And, um, you know, nobody questions him when he's walking out on the street. And I have literally had people come up to me in New York City, one of the most diverse places on earth. Um, and ask me where I'm from. And I find that bizarre because why is it any of their business, a random stranger? And 
it's literally happened to me where people have asked this question. And so I think that I'm definitely sensitive to the fact that there's an otherness factor when you're non-white uh, in the U.S., certainly, but in other places as well. Um, when we're in France, I've had conversations with French people who are of Asian descent, where somebody will, during that conversation, come in, know that I'm American and assume that they are also American. And I'm like, nope, you know, let's not make assumptions about where people are from. Um so I think that it does make me more sensitive. It makes me more aware. But I think it's also that, again, I didn't see a lot of role models who looked like me when I was growing up, specifically in marketing, of course, but um, just in business in general. And I think that that's one of the reasons that, again, when I think about uh, mentoring that next generation of marketers, I'm really sensitive to offer more opportunities to people of minority descent, women specifically, LGBTQ, because those are the folks who have traditionally not seen themselves be reflected. If they can be in a place where they're surrounded by other people who look like them, uh, who have their experiences, I feel like that gives them more confidence. Um, and the other thing that I'll beat um, my drum about when it comes to hiring interns is just to make sure that it's a true internship experience, right? We pay all of our interns, but we also make sure that it's a mix of both work experience and mentorship because uh, in this day and age, apparently people are still treating internships as if they're just cheap labor. And I think that that's crazy because <laughs> the work that you're doing isn't necessarily to have more bandwidth on your team. I tell my team when they have an intern assigned to them, you are not going to have less work. You're going to have the same amount of work, but it will change because part of it will be teaching and coaching. And part of it will be being able to delegate some of that work. And that's really to benefit the student who is working with you. Because again, my goal isn't for us to have more bandwidth. It's to actually help them become a productive person within the marketing field who has this experience that they can take somewhere else. And so you just have to think about, again, what are the things that you want to have reflected out in the world based on your own experiences? And again, th those decisions are based on the things that I experienced throughout my career. Absolutely. And, and like I said, it's, I think it's just a brilliant approach. So look, you know, you've been, you've been at this for a while and you've had your own business for a while and working with Jay for a while and leading different teams. What's your current role like? What is it like to get, I guess, more so now too, with this new sure. role, adding mom to the, to the mix? Sure. What are the challenges and some of the compromises that you're facing? Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, I think when it comes to um, owning and building an agency and, and leading that team, I tell people all the time that I have 17 different roles in order to do one job that I was excited about. And then everything else is to support it, right? If you own any kind of business, you're not just doing the work that you're good at. You're also HR, you're also admin, you're also the CFO, you are also biz dev. You're, you're doing a lot of other things. And of course, I have some support on some of those pieces, but I have to be knowledgeable and get good at making decisions around a lot of these additional things. So that's something that uh, is in a lot of ways, a compromise for me, because it it's not just me getting on the phone and consulting with clients and advising them only, right? It's me also making sure that I'm available to do all of these other things and make a lot of decisions around those things. Um, Convince and Convert is still a, a, a team that I work with extremely closely as the director of strategy over there. Um, I'm really overseeing how we uh, advise our clients, how we build strategies for them. And so, um, 
where I've had to make some compromises, I do less of that hands-on work now, right? I'm not necessarily making all of the decisions. I really have to trust my team to create the strategies. And then I'm uh, advising them on what I think are the things that we absolutely have to cover for the clients. I'm spending more time on client calls, essentially being, let's call it quality control and assurance more than I am doing the hands-on work. And again, I'm, I'm passionate about the hands-on work. I love the hands-on work. So, you know, as you get further along in your career, you're not necessarily doing the exact things that you love, but Hopefully, you are also building the skill sets of other people so that they can do that work and that you can look at it from a different perspective. Um, and the, the whole mom thing has been interesting. Um, I, I guess the good thing about being a slightly further along in my career is that I feel pretty established and I, and I feel really confident in my work. So, you know, even plugging back in this week, I felt exactly in my element. I'm I know that I can do the work. I'm not worried about that piece of it. So it's more about work-life balance, making sure that I'm being as efficient as possible so that I can tune out at the end of the day and be available to my child um, in, without, you know, maybe pulling the all-nighters that I used to be able to pull without any guilt. <laughs> yeah, your all-nighters have changed. What yeah, you're doing exactly. all-nighters have definitely changed. <laughs> And you haven't even gotten into the fun stuff like teething and whatnot yet. So, oh, yikes. Yeah. I'm not looking forward to that. <laughs> yeah. It's um, frozen anything. That's all I can say. Frozen anything. Just good advice. <laughs> my, my one piece of it. Because I'm not giving you advice on parenting because everybody's going to want to give you advice on parenting. <laughs> so, I mean, everything you've said, it sounds like you are in your sweet spot. You have found an outlet for your creativity. You are doing the work that you love to do. You are pushing yourself and building this amazing agency um, in a way, shape and form that really aligns with who you are, values and what you want to leave and the impact you want to leave on the world for your, for not only for you, but for your, your kid. Um, if you weren't in the marketing space, what would you be doing? That's a great question. I've, I've thought about this recently because, again, you realize at a certain point in your life, hey, I could have probably made completely different decisions if I had seen mentors and other people who looked like me doing those things. I told my husband recently that if I weren't doing marketing, I actually wish that I had pursued math at a really high level, because I really love the analysis piece of marketing as well, really looking at the numbers, really understanding all of the different patterns, etc. I think if I had had more mentors and role models who were doing math, who looked like me, maybe I would have pursued that as a pathway it would have been interesting to become a statistician or, you know, even to do PhD level math, I think that would have been really cool. And, you know, I hope that I cultivate that joy in the fun of numbers in my children in the future, because I really think that there is a lot of fun in those kind of patterns. <laughs> and it's, it's interesting, I was just having this conversation with, um, with my daughter, actually, who's going to grad school starting in September for um, biomedical physics. And where she got, got to there, where she, how she got to biomedical physics is just, it's, it's surprising. And we just, 
you know, she's always been great with math and sciences and whatnot, as was I. I started off as a, as a biology major. And I didn't know about things like that. I didn't know you could go into right. the different facets. And I think that, you know, the generations that have come after mine, for sure, and if you're an older one, older part of your gen, then maybe even that, you know, it wasn't as prevalent as when you were going through and, and looking at things is, you know, literally the world is their oyster. There is yeah. nothing that they can't ponder that they can't figure out how to do or how to get there because yeah. it's all there for them. And there are so many examples and readily available. And at every turn, you can find someone who you relate to, regardless of whether it's a physical relation, whether it's a mental and create whatever that that connection is, it's out there to find. Um, so I think, you know, uh, I think the generations coming up are just going to be so much more satisfied and, and excited about the work that they do. Cause I can think back to some of the, the people that I work for and clearly they were just doing the job. Right. Um, yeah. I love what I do. It sounds like you clearly love what you do. So, um, it's interesting, you know, PhD level math, not something that a lot of people, I, you know, a lot of the conversations I've had, it's like, oh yeah, you know, I would open an Airbnb, I know I would open a bread and breakfast or I would, you know, <laughs> go and do this and, and you'd go for math. So that's awesome. Actuarial studies, also super fascinating. That's yeah, a, very true. That's a whole <laughs> other level of math crazy, if you ask me, but that's okay. A lot of exams, <laughs> a lot of exams. A lot of exams, indeed. So for our listeners, as you're easing back into, or probably not easing, it was probably a rip off the Band-Aid Monday morning, um, particularly the women in our audience, what would be your best piece of advice uh, for life, career, success, whatever it is? I would say build your network. This is the one thing that I'm constantly emphasizing, especially to my students and the, the interns that we mentor, is build the network. Every connection you make will lead you somewhere in your career. It may not pay dividends on day one, but you never know when that network is going to pay dividends back. And so it's so important to meet people, keep having conversations, find other people who have experiences that you relate to, ask them the, the interesting questions, but also look at it as a two-way street, right? I've had students walk up to me after a talk that I've given and say, you are so fascinating would you mentor me? I'm like, we've just met. That seems like a big ask. I don't know anything about you. So let's start on, you know, page one and let's see if there is a relationship to be built. Right. But also that I think that if you are going to have a great network of folks, you want to be giving to folks just as much as you are getting from folks. So really thinking about how can you be a resource? How can you be supportive? How can you be a voice within their community? That's really important. Um, the more you can build up that network of folks, again, and it's not just women, it's, it's every kind of person that you can meet. All of those people will have something that uh, pays back to you. But again, if you can be supportive of them, that's really important as well. And that's the one thing that I think has made the biggest difference in my career. Uh, when I was finishing grad school, I made informational interviews part of my task for myself because I knew that I was trying to transition into that next phase of my career. I didn't know exactly what it would look like, but I knew I needed to ask a lot of questions. And I think I did count the number of levels out of concentric circles. And I think it was something like nine levels out 
from my first connection that I was actually able to have conversations. And that's really because I kept asking people, who else would you introduce me to that you think I should have a conversation with? And people are so willing to share that it allowed me to build this network outwards. That's how I met Jay. It was through somebody within my network. Um, I was able to secure a gig uh, writing a column for a publication during that same time because of that network. There were a lot of different things that came out of that. And, and some of the people that I met there then later on became really key members of my community, um, such as Anne Handley, later on in my career. But, you know, it was during that time period of grad school where I was able to have that first conversation with her and then we kept running into each other and building our relationship over and over again over many years and that really came from the fact that I was asking folks hey who else do you know that I should have a conversation with about x topics and and it made a huge difference you're exactly right. Often people think about mentorship as a one-way street and it and it needs to be bidirectional there needs to be that uh, it can't just be about supporting someone you need to be able to feel that connection and i i have same as you had people you know literally at a conference hi my name is so and so you know will you mentor me <laughs> i'm like i don't even know what you want to be when you grow up and i say right. that meaning grow up you could be 20 you could be 40 <laughs> we all have different levels of being grown up right sure um but it's so interesting and i think that's still a gap that exists in our in our education system yeah is how to how to be human how to make those connections and how to uh develop that network and it's not just about the network of immediacy um from a gratification or, or support perspective is you know some of the some of the best people that I've met and have been most helpful have been completely outside of my space because it's sure. good to have that perspective, right? Yeah, absolutely. And again, you never know who will be valuable in the future, not only from a, a professional point of view, but a personal point of view. The more folks you can meet who are offering those different perspectives, who are bringing their life experience to you, the more you become a well-rounded person who understands that so many other things exist. And I think that that's really powerful as well. Indeed. I couldn't have said it better myself. So you're coming back into the, to the work thing. You're usually all over the place from speaking. Where can our audience find you right now? Or sure. In yeah. In, in the coming months, um, you're going to find me, um, I'm speaking for marketing profs at their ShakeUp virtual event. I'm also going to be at Ignite USA in Chicago in May, um, speaking with some fantastic other folks like Pam Didner and Katie Martell. And I'm really looking forward to both of those events because I'm going to be really talking about the nexus of customer experience and marketing and how more and more we have to focus our marketing on the, the tactical, real-life experiences of our customers because our expectations of understanding a brand and their experiences is so much higher than ever before. You probably know this as well as I do that, you know, we're not even willing to go to dinner if we haven't checked out the photos on Google and Instagram and looked at the menu ahead of time. It just doesn't feel worth walking out your door until you know exactly what that experience looks like. And if that's the case for something as simple as dinner, can you imagine for big ticket items, right? And so the more we as marketers can think about how do we work closely with the folks who shape customer experience and then turn that into part of our storytelling, the better. 
Love it. Um, hopefully I will be at one of those. Uh, we'll see. But Asante, thank you so much for today's conversation. I so admire the work that you're doing to help the next gen of marketers have a place to grow, flourish, and really find their paths. The world needs absolutely more people to follow your lead in how to build an amazing company that not only fills up um, who you are and the people that you work with, but as well as our future and, and really looking to, to contribute from that perspective. To my audience, thanks for listening to Uncharted Journeys with me, your host, Kathy McKnight. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Zanti. And if you're keen to hear more amazing stories from amazing women, then you can always head over to unchartedjourneys.net and check out the other um, recordings, the other episodes, as well as the links and resources in the show notes. Thanks again for listening. See you next time. And until then, enjoy the journey. 